0: at ericksoncovenant.ca. Let's get started.
1: Well, it's an incredible thing to wake up in the morning knowing you've got purpose. Isn't it? Knowing, in fact, you've got a full day ahead of you where you can be who God has created you to be. That you can actually live into the calling that God has placed on your life. And if that's true, you might be able to say that you're living the dream. And if you're living the dream, you might even wake up in the morning just like Gru. You immediately discover when Jesus bursts out of the wilderness, he has a God-sized dream that he's carrying. A firm grip. On the promised plan of his father, that he's motivated now by a compelling vision of God's most desired future for this broken world. And today, we want to hear this vision. Because this vision shaped the mind and drove the actions of Jesus, the Messiah. It's the key to everything, to understanding who Jesus is and what he's all about, to interpreting why he would do what he did. why he would say what he said to grasp actually the meaning of every step he took from here all the way to the cross and beyond. And what's more, this vision of Jesus holds the key to our life purpose as well because Jesus is going to go on to hand his dream to us after he ascends to the throne. And so as apprentices of Jesus, hello, all of you, Gathered as you are, are you ready to hear God's dream today? The vision of his most desired future for us that's been realized by Jesus. You ready for that? Well, I want to invite you to come with me to a local synagogue in a Jewish town called Nazareth. You might have heard of it. Jesus' hometown, it's a Sabbath day, and the local faithful are gathering. That's just the meaning of the word synagogue. It means assembly. It means gathering. It means get together. And these faithful people are gathering to pray to the God of their fathers, to hear the word of God read aloud, and then to receive instruction on how to understand and interpret and apply God's word to their lives. So come on in. Oh, you've already sat down. You comfortable? You comfortable? Shift a little bit in your seat, get ready for this, because we're going to hear now the word of God to us through this story of Jesus as he begins his ministry. Ready to hear it? Listen. So Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him, and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked. Now that's a vision. Did you catch it? Did you hear it? That's a dream worth living into. And it's the dream that Jesus was launching his life for. And so today I want us to really soak in this story a bit. I want this vision that Jesus presents here to get down deep. I want us to hear it, to see it, to feel it. And so I'm going to read it again. This time, as you hear it, I want you to focus your imaginations. Close your eyes if you have to. If you're not comfortable with that, don't stare at your hands. Do whatever. But whatever you can to focus your imagination as I read the story and ask yourself if you were seated in that local synagogue that day, you're seated in this one, what would you have noticed? What would have shocked you? What would have made you uh, jump up, or shout out, or maybe resist a bit, or want to cheer as you sat there listening to Jesus on that holy Sabbath day? So, ready to hear it again? Pay attention to what stands out to you. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. Let's just sit for a moment longer with this story. Take now just a moment to focus on what it is that stood out to you. What it is that you noticed. What word or phrase, or image, did you fasten on to what might have been odd, or surprising, or meaningful, or good? Just hold that in your mind for a moment. Well, my friends, what Jesus read here From the prophet Isaiah. This is the vision that shaped Jesus' whole life and ministry. This vision of God through the great prophet Isaiah became the paradigm through which Jesus understood his messiahship, detailing what he actually had been anointed for back at his baptism, when the Spirit descended on him like a dove and the Father spoke of his delight in his beloved Son. This vision would be the dream that Jesus lived his life into. Here and right on through, we're going to see him proclaiming good news to the poor and proclaiming freedom for prisoners and recovering sight for the blind and setting the oppressed free and proclaiming that the year of God's favor had come. And Jesus stuns them all with this simple factual statement. In those days, you'd stand up to read and you'd sit down to teach. Jesus sat down. They all looked at him, expecting him to expound the passage. And he simply says that this passage, written hundreds of years before, by one of the greatest prophets, is now being fulfilled in him. Boom. The echo that that would have created. So let's take a few moments and just see some connections here. We want to understand this vision a little bit more and how it influenced Jesus so that we can obediently respond to Jesus ourselves as his apprentices. The first connection that we need to make has to do with the authority of God's word. And this is critical for us to get as apprentices committed to taking the teaching of Jesus and putting it to our lives, putting it to practice, building our house on the rock. We don't want no houses going splat. It's essential for us to realize that God's vision for us is revealed through God's word to us. That is, our vision, our purpose for our lives is not sort of plucked out of the ether or something that we have to just... You know, expect to get delivered to us by a dream. It's not based on our gut feelings or the predisposition of our genes or the way you just like to do things. No, God's vision for us has been revealed to us through God's word to us. And this is fascinating because as we look at the life of Jesus, we see how the authority of God's word has already been affirmed many, many times Already. Luke has drawn our attention to this, if we'll have eyes to see. And so I want to just think for a moment about Luke's story so far. In the first chapters of Luke, we're told how the conception and the coming of both Jesus and John the Baptist are in fulfillment of promises and prophecies given in the Bible long before either of them were born. And then in lockstep with the Holy Spirit everywhere along the way, we see how the Word of God shapes everything. It was the word of God that affirms the identity of Jesus. You are my beloved son, right? It's the word of God that Jesus wields as a weapon in his conflict against the devil. It is written. And now, it's the word of God that defines Jesus' messianic mission. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. By the power of the Spirit, the word of the Father is realized, made real through the life of Jesus. And if that's true of Jesus, as we, see, as we see it is and we will see, he lives into the dream of his Father as revealed in his word. But it's also true of us. If it's true of him as our master, how much more true is it of us as his apprentices? How has God revealed his purpose to us, for us? His vision for his children through his word. Because he most certainly has actually done that. And it's our responsibility as his apprentices, as his followers, to actually dig in and discover what that is. It's revealed in the whole of the Bible. And there's some key passages. Jesus pulls one out here from Isaiah 61. But there's key passages all over that give us a sense of, oh, that's what we are to be about. This is who we are. This is who he's called us to be. This is how he's called us to live. It's our responsibility to discover what that is, to hear how it shapes us, to hear it with ready ears, to receive it with obedient hearts, to take God's word down deep and let the Father's vision shape our lives and our purpose just as it did for Jesus. That God's vision for us is revealed through God's word to us. And that's why, as apprentices of Jesus, here at the Erickson Covenant Church, we take God's word so seriously. We take the Bible so seriously. We strive to read it and to study it. To actually have a habit of putting it into our minds and hearts daily in some way. That we actually, some of you are taking up the challenge to memorize some of this, right? Some of you told me this morning that you're doing that, and it's making a difference in your life. It's impacting you as you're taking God's word in, but also to be able to discuss it with each other, to study it with each other, to to understand from each other as we grow together in what is God's vision for us as revealed to us through his word. It's the reason why we take the Bible to be the highest authority for our lives. As we say around the Evangelical Covenant Church, we did a a series of... um, talks on our affirmations in the fall. But one of them, one of our highest affirmations, is about the Bible as our highest authority. That we believe that the Holy Scripture, both of the Old and New Testament, is the Word of God and the only perfect rule for faith, doctrine, and conduct. Which is just a way of saying, we live by this. And so again, as apprentices, we see how God's Word is the touchstone for Jesus' life And as we say, if it's that way for Jesus, then, of course, it's that way for us. So the second connection is that we need to see in this story so far, and it's really highlighted here in this synagogue day, is that role, the active role of the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus. Again, I want to take you back, because I want you to see, just as we saw how the Word of God shaped the whole story going forward and shapes the life of Jesus, we also go back and see how the Spirit of God is present all the way through. I mean, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, right? Through the Virgin Mary. But also, uh, John the Baptist recognized who Jesus was before either of them were born. He was filled by the Holy Spirit while he was still inside the womb of his mother. Beautiful. And then the birth narratives of Luke 1 and 2 are chock full of people who are moved by the Spirit or filled by the Spirit or speaking by the Spirit as they respond to God's Word being fulfilled in Jesus right before their very eyes. And then, as we saw, the Spirit comes upon Jesus at his baptism, anoints him as the King, the Son, the Messiah, simultaneously. But then the Spirit leads Jesus out into the wilderness to be tested and proven as the faithful Son of God, the faithful Israelite. Now he's back, but how is he back? Luke wants us to know, oh, he's back in the power of the Holy Spirit, right? He returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And then what does he do when he sits down to read the prophet Isaiah? He reads, finds his place in the scroll... And he reads about, oh, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he has anointed me. The Holy Spirit is present, active. Jesus is saying, I'm the Spirit-filled Messiah. I'm the anointed king. I'm the, to use a funny way of saying it, but just hear it. I am the christened one with a mission from my Father to the world. And so the Holy Spirit and the Father's word are in perfect synchronicity, as they always are empowering the Son of God to fulfill the Father's dream for the world. And the same is true of Jesus' apprentices. When anyone confesses Jesus as their master, says, I, I want to follow him, and I-, I believe he died on the cross for me, and I believe he rose again, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of that person. That does not instantly make that person perfect. We know that, right? 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 Right. Okay. Just clarifying. So, but as followers of Jesus, not perfect by any means, but we are now people of the Spirit. God has come to live in that house, and is working, and we're working slowly, learning to listen to His leading. Um, constantly asking him to fill us with his power to love others the way he wants us to the way he did. Um, constantly asking the Holy Spirit to give us gifts so that we can serve one another and build one another up asking the Holy Spirit to give his wisdom to us so that we can live out the dream that the father has given with an understanding of his very word so that we can actually live in accordance with his will. Again, recalling one of our core affirmations as a covenant church, that we affirm a conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit for sure. And we already see how Jesus, there's a dependence in his life. He is empowered and moving and working and healing through the power of the Spirit. And the same is true of us. So practically speaking, we always live as apprentices of Jesus, open to God's word under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit and the Word are always in sync. They're never at odds. And we can only fulfill Jesus' plan for us when we're being led by the Spirit and shaped by the Word. So, those are the first two things I think we're willing to see. But they kind of set up this passage, don't they? Authority of the Father's Word, centrality of the Spirit's power in the life of Jesus, but also in the life of us, His apprentices. Well, let's jump now into the vision itself. Because the third connection we need to see is how the Father's vision, detailed in Isaiah in this case, is made real through Jesus' mission. Jesus reads from Isaiah 61, and this is a vision of people being freed and healed. A vision of God's shalom, his peace, which isn't just the absence of conflict, but the fullness of life, a flourishing, a thriving that God wants for people. And five elements are mentioned. You've already heard them, but I want you to get these cemented down. Jesus says the spirit of the Lord is on him, anointing him to what? Proclaim good news to the poor, proclaim freedom for prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, set the oppressed free, and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Notice who's included there. The poor, the oppressed, the prisoner. The blind. And look at what he's proclaiming. He's proclaiming good news, freedom. He's also proclaiming that there's a year that has been, we've been waiting for it, and now it's come a year of God's actual favor that's bringing light, that's setting prisoners free, that's bringing wholeness and health and life to people. It's a pretty awesome vision, isn't it? Especially if you're one of the poor, right? You've been stumbling around in the dark, blind. This is a good thing. This is awesome for anyone who feels they've been forgotten, who's been hurting, who's lived with a sense of abandonment, or have wondered if life is even worth living. Jesus shows up and says, God has a dream, and that includes life for you, and I'm here to realize that. By the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is bringing God's desired future into the broken present this is what jesus is doing he's bringing god's will this future vision where there's wholeness and life for all he's bringing that now into the very lives of those most broken and in need of healing right there right then and his whole ministry you're going to see that lived out this vision from isaiah is like a defining word for jesus Isaiah's prophecy functions as a kind of missional framework, a paradigm for his ministry, and it shows up again and again as we move forward. Oops. When Jesus got up in the morning, this vision defined his purpose. Daily, hourly, moment by moment, everything he does, you could draw a line back to this vision. You can watch for it. Everything he does will be some kind of, some version of a proclamation of good news for the poor, for the forgotten. Some version of freedom for prisoners and the oppressed. Some bringing of light to the blind or announcing both in word and in action that the day of God's favor had actually finally come. He's going to be playing a version of this song everywhere he goes. How do we know that? Well, not only because he just said it, but because he actually makes it explicit later on. You know, Sometime after John the Baptist had been thrown in the clank by King Herod, he started to have doubts about his cousin Jesus. Did you know that? Remember that? John the Baptist is rotting in a hole somewhere and he's starting to think, Did I Did I really see a dove? We don't know if he saw the dove or not. Did, was he really the Messiah? You know, your mind can play tricks on you when you're in a dark hole. Is he really the Messiah... Is he doing what the Messiah was supposed to be doing? And perhaps it's because John expected a little more fire and brimstone and a little less of this healing thing and teaching about, you know, God restoring people. Because if you'll notice, remember, we read back what John the Baptist thinks it's all about, slightly different vision of what the Messiah is going to bring. Or maybe, maybe John's thinking, well, I'm a prisoner. Jesus said he's here to set prisoners free. I mean... I'm his cousin for crying out loud. Where's the freedom for me? Well, locked up long enough, you'd start to wonder too, right? Talk about a crisis of faith. So John sends a couple of his boys out to ask Jesus, and you can read about this in Luke chapter seven, to ask Jesus the question, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? And how does Jesus respond to that question? What does he do as some kind of like proof or some kind of defense for this? Well, listen to what he says and how it connects back to what we just heard in the synagogue from Isaiah 61. This is from Luke chapter 7, 21 to 23. We read this. At that very time, the very time where these disciples of John came and asked these quest- this question, at that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases sicknesses and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. The good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account. Of me. See that? You see how John, uh, Jesus explains to John who he is? He explains it in terms of his mission from the Father, in terms of his messiahship that kind of, you know, connects directly to this Isaiah vision here in Isaiah 35 and there's other places, but he pulls it. The, the proof is in the proclaiming. The proof is in the healings. The proof is in the freedom, the good news, the fact that God's desired future is being pulled into this broken present and lives are being changed as a result because the day of God's favor had come. Jesus knew the Father's will for the world captured so beautifully here in Isaiah but other prophetic versions as well of a creation and a people renewed and healed and restored whole and holy and that purpose animated Jesus' daily actions because the Father's word his dream is being made real through the Son by the Spirit okay that's all great and good but what about us right what about here and now well here's the thing This mission of Jesus, living out Isaiah 61, announcing the freedom, all that stuff, was not actually finished when Jesus was left. The world was still pretty broken, you might have noticed. Jesus' vision, his mission to bring good news and freedom and healing actually continues. And in fact, Luke, the author of this gospel, is keen to help us understand our part, which is why he wrote a second book right? He wrote the gospel of Luke, and he's the only one of the gospel writers that decided, nah, I need to flesh this out a little bit more. I'm going to write volume two. Volume one, volume two. Luke wants us to see that this mission of Jesus that flows right out of Isaiah 61 has a part one, part two deal. In Luke, we're given part one. That's the birth of Jesus through the mission of Jesus, through his death, resurrection, and his ascension to the throne as king over all. And Luke structures his whole first book to lead us all the way to Jerusalem, to Jesus' death and resurrection, so that we're sitting in Jerusalem, right at the epicenter of everything, right there at the end of Luke. And then right at the end of Luke, Jesus tells his followers, remember what he tells them? Wait here, don't do anything, don't try anything. Frankly, don't say anything. Just, just stay where you are because you've got to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. He's been promised. He'll come upon you first and then part two of the mission will start. And to make this super explicit for us, Luke does a really fancy thing. He links the end of Luke with the start of Acts. He, he makes the end of Luke and the start of Acts overlap. If you've read it, you can see it. He has Jesus, in fact, say basically the same thing at the end of Luke and the start of Acts. The follower of Jesus are told uh, by Jesus, who's now his word is the very word of God to them as well, has the same level of authority. He says, wait, wait. And then in Acts 1.8, wait, because the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon me, you, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What Jesus does here is he takes his commission from the Father and he co-missions his followers to continue in it, in the same power of the Holy Spirit that he's been operating in. And so this vision of Isaiah, of good news being proclaimed, of prisoners being set free, of blind people receiving sight, is now focused almost exclusively on the proclamation of Jesus the Messiah himself. The good news of his death and resurrection is the good news to the poor. The good news of Jesus is sight to the blind. The good news of Jesus is the setting free of the oppressed. And it works its way out in all the physical and emotional and relational and political ways that that is true. But it starts with Jesus being proclaimed. And the coming of the Holy Spirit now anoints Jesus' followers to continue to do what he's been doing, to bring God's desired future into this broken present so that lives are being changed. Our lives and others' lives are being changed by him now. And so we continue the mission as little anointed ones. C.S. Lewis talked about little Christ's commissioned to continue. And so that's why Luke writes his second volume, the book of Acts. He wants to make a real specific point to relay to us how the earlier followers of Jesus and it starts with Peter and the main dudes there, but really gets to Paul and continues. It's all to see how they continue, the early church empowered by the spirit, spreading out the news, this promise of Jesus. They continue to proclaim the good news, starting with Jerusalem and going to the rest of the world. Now, I know this is sweeping, big story, big arc stuff. And if you're a little bit newer to the Bible, you may just feel really overwhelmed right now. and wish Tom would stop talking so fast. Or maybe just stop talking. But (laughs) it's essential for us as apprentices of Jesus to kind of get a bigger picture of this because we're swept into this story. We're swept into the same vision now. When Jesus sat down that day in the synagogue and said, what you just heard is being fulfilled now, he catches us up in that same vision. And we need to see as apprentices of Jesus, or if you are just exploring faith, to know that Jesus is the good news. He's the best news. In fact, he's the only news. He's the mission. He's actually, when Jesus comes, that's when life comes. That's when healing comes. That's when light comes. That's when freedom comes. That's when favor, God's beautiful favor, is experienced fully by anyone who will receive it. So when Jesus read these words from Isaiah, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, it was marking. A vision that would change the world. And it shook the people who were sitting there. We're going to find out next week just how hard it shook them. But for today, we stop there. And we ask the question, how is the word of God through Jesus still being fulfilled in our hearing today? How is the word of God through Jesus still being fulfilled in our hearing today? How is the Holy Spirit Still realizing God's dream through His anointed people. Because it is an astonishing privilege to get up every day and live into this dream that God has for the world. Because His dream has not changed. He wants people to experience His freedom, His life, His light. And we have a purpose, a commission from the Father. We've been anointed by the Spirit to to announce this freedom that has come through Christ, to bring light where there is darkness, to bring good news where there's been a lot of bad. There's a God who has given himself fully to the world through Jesus and is still working now through his church, through his people, still working to bring wholeness to those who are hurting, freedom to the oppressed, And he's doing that through you. He's doing that through me, through us. We're part of this story. You are doing this. When you reach out to a lonely neighbor and you listen to them, you are announcing freedom through your very life. You are showing them the love of Jesus through your listening ears, And then as you can, as you speak the name of Jesus, as you share the story of Jesus, you are announcing freedom for the poor. Do you know that? When you are looking around and you're seeing a family that's struggling, maybe they're struggling to just frankly manage life, and you come alongside them and you say an encouraging word, and you offer to pray for them, and you maybe offer to show up and help, you are bringing you were setting the oppressed free. Let's just say that. Have you seen some of those young families? You're supposed to laugh there. (laughs) That's funny, I think. Listen, there's people around us who are hurting everywhere, and I know you know them. They're in your life. You work with them. You live beside them. You see them every day. Some of them are in your own family. Some of them are in the families of others. Some of them don't have any family that even care. And we are commissioned by the Father, anointed by the Spirit, called to follow Jesus and realizing God's dream of bringing his desired future into their broken presence by showing up, by loving, by announcing that there really is good news. God hasn't forgotten them. He's come in Jesus. And that makes all the difference in the world. Because Jesus is here, isn't he? He's present in this world. And it may not look like much at times. It may look like a mess a lot of the time. But he is present. He is here. and In some ways, our actions uh, function like a a great artist. You've heard this quote before. Remember how Michelangelo, when asked how he made his great sculptures, he said a variation on this multiple different times. When asked, how do you make such a beautiful... Here's... uh, Paita or Paitas, one of the most famous sculpt- sculptures that Michelangelo made, Mary holding Jesus. When he, he said, when he looked at a block of, of marble, he, he said this, he said, the sculpture is already complete within the marble block before I start my work. It's already there. I just have to chisel away the superfluous material. Here's the connection. God has a vision for the world and he made it present and real here and now through Jesus and through his followers. And by the power of the Holy Spirit shaped by the word of God, we are commissioned in some sense to get out there with our chisels and hammers and be chipping away in the love of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the power of the Spirit to be chipping away not just the superfluous material but the brokenness the hurt, the loneliness, chipping it away with our presence and our love and our care. Knowing that the sculpture's already there, the beauty's already present, Jesus has already come and made the change that's necessary. And if we can remove the hurt and heal the brokenhearted and welcome the sinner and, 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 and love into these places that are so lost that we'll discover Jesus is there of course, he's calling us, and he's got a vision for us that he wants to realize through us. He's committed to doing so. And when we know that, then we can, we, well, maybe, maybe we'll wake up in the morning feeling a little bit more like Gru. Where we're, you know, hey, I'm not saying it just snap, snap, and your life becomes awesome. I get, I get it. There's a lot of hurt we carry, but there's something beautiful about knowing that when we get up in the morning, There is a vision that God wants to realize through you in ways that are often hidden and small, but just as real and potent as a mustard seed, as yeast. That God is bringing his life, making it real through you and through me. I think we can be happy and dance over that. And I know the world will. That's what they're looking for. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are the king, and we look to you. We are so excited to be part of the vision that you realized when you came. And it is an honor to be included by you now. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would fill each one of us as apprentices of Jesus, that we would know that you have given to us your dream, your mission, to announce the good news of Jesus who has come to bring life, to bring freedom, to show that the year of God's favor has come and is still here. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you lead us, shape us under the authority of your word, make us into the people that you've called us to be. In your name we pray, amen.
0: Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.